Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee faithfully served the Lord for more than seven decades, co-laboring with Watchmany in China in the first half of the 20th century, before continuing his ministry in Taiwan, later in America, and eventually over the entire earth. He spoke these weekly Life Study messages before thousands of people, and much of his speaking has been published as over 400 titles. These life studies are perhaps his most significant work, taking 21 years for him to complete, and we're happy today to be able to bring you selected portions from those messages. If you'd like to find out more about his ministry, about the life studies themselves, and Living Stream Ministry, please visit our website, lsm.org. Now let's join today's program. Most believers in Christ today know that Christ is the Lamb of God, but not many have heard the details of this sacrifice that's offered to God as described in Leviticus chapters 1 through 7. So you want to stay with us for this life study of Leviticus today as we touch a unique picture of our experience of Christ as it's revealed in the Old Testament sacrifices. Joining us for, I think, a different kind of program today is Bob Danker. Bob, welcome back to the broadcast. Chris, it's good to be with you again to, uh, to fellowship concerning this very important book of the Bible. We're on our fourth program, as I mentioned, and I'm sure that anyone who's uh, heard anything so far will have to agree that these programs have been enlightening and uplifting uh, to really help us in our experience of the Lord. Maybe you could give us a background, Bob, for those uh, who are just tuning in for the first time of, of this life study of uh, Leviticus today as to what we've uh, seen as a kind of a setup as we jump into these uh, deep pictures of Christ in the offerings. Well, Chris, the book of Leviticus shows us the way God's people were to worship him, and then as a result of their worship of God, they lived a holy life. So these things are portrayed in Leviticus. And according to Leviticus, uh, to worship God is not just to bow down and to recognize how awesome, you know, and mighty God is. But to worship God is to contact God and to enjoy Christ together with God. This may be a different definition of worship than many Christians have heard, but this is the real worship that's revealed in the Bible. And this is the worship that is spoken about in John four twenty four, where John said that the Father is seeking the true worshipers who will worship him in spirit, that means in their regenerated human spirit, and in reality, that is, with Christ as the reality of all the offerings. So the real worship of God is to contact God in our spirit and to enjoy Christ as the reality of the offerings together with God. So in Leviticus, in the first seven chapters especially, we see these pictures of the five different kinds of offerings, the burnt offering, the meal offering, the sin offering, mm -hmm. the trespass offering, and the peace offering. Right. Now, these offerings were not only sacrifices, they were actually presents or gifts offered to God by those who appreciate Christ, those who experience Christ, those who enjoy Christ, and those who appreciate Christ. And the interesting thing about most of these offerings is that there was a portion for not only God to enjoy, 
but also for God's people to enjoy. So we may say that God and his people together enjoyed these offerings, and they enjoyed by the way of eating. Something of the offerings was eaten by God's people and also was eaten by God. And we will see what that means in future broadcasts, I believe. But anyway, the picture here is a picture of mutual enjoyment. God and his people enjoying some common portion together in fellowship. Right. And this common portion is just Christ himself who is portrayed in these offerings. One of the things you mentioned a moment ago relating worship to contact with God struck me in these first uh, few programs that we've been enjoying so far and as we continue. As the priests and the offerers were preparing these various offerings, they weren't just caught up in the ceremonial aspect, but they were preparing it according to God's direction, knowing that they were about to have contact with him in the actual presenting of these offerings. So to get the real picture, we have to understand these offerings were the vehicle by which God's people, the priests and the offerers, were coming into contact with the living God. And that, of course, is what, as you said, really is the centerpiece, the focus of our worship, rather than just something ceremonial. That's right, Chris. The main aspect and item in worshiping God is to have contact with him, to have fellowship with him, and to enjoy Christ together with him. Well, let's get on with our life study for today, Bob. I think it's fair I should warn our listeners we're going to hear something today that I would imagine for nearly all is going to be absolutely new, perhaps even a little bit shocking uh, to understand that these offerings depict Christ in our experience in different sizes. Quite intriguing. Let's join Witness Lee. To study Leviticus in these chapters, one point is very hard for us to realize. That is the way to offer. These chapters uh, don't give us details concerning what Christ is, but it tells us how we offer Christ tells the way, by what way we offer Christ. These chapters don't tell us what Christ is totally, but it charges us with the way by which we offer Christ. And this indicates we offer what we have experience of Christ. Not we offer what he is, the very Christ in total, but we offer the very Christ just at that much as we have experienced. When I was young, I got bothered. I said, how come Christ, firstly, as the burnt offering is a big bull, B-U-L-L. Then secondly, he is a little goat, little sheep. And then lastly, he is a turtle dove, a little bird. Now, do we have a Christ in three different sizes? Of course, Christ is just totally in one size. But in our experiences, Christ is different in size. Say, I just got saved three weeks ago. And I've been told by your helpers to know Christ to a certain degree, maybe just 
this much. Then I come to the meeting of the Lord's table. I'm so grateful to the Lord. And I offer Christ to God. In God's eyes, what I offer is just a little pigeon. And at the same time, the Apostle Paul was here. And he also offered Christ as the burnt offering to God. You think about how big, in God's eyes, the burnt offering Paul offered to God. Maybe the biggest bull. The difference is not in what he is. The difference is in what we experience. If I will grow continually until I raise Paul's standard, surely the very Christ as a burnt offering I offer then might be the same in Paul's sight, a big bull. So this indicates whatever is taught in these chapters is altogether experiential, not doctrinal. Bob, this is really an interesting picture from the Old Testament concerning our experience of Christ as the different sized offerings. Experiential, not doctrinal, he says, and I think this says a lot. Uh, If we read through chapter 1, we see the burnt offering depicted as a bull or a bullock, uh, in another case as a goat or sheep, and then even as a small turtle dove or a pigeon. Help us a little bit here. Develop this thought about the different sizes of these offerings representing different aspects of our experience. Yes, Chris, this is really quite mysterious to consider that these offerings could be offered in different sizes. Right. Does that imply that Christ himself is of different sizes? Of course not. Christ himself is just what he is. He is universally vast, exhaustless, right. you know, all-inclusive, extensive, and so many other superlative adjectives. In fact, It says uh, in the New Testament, he fills all in all. He fills the universe. He's so great. How could we offer such a great universal Christ to God? It would be impossible. So Leviticus, as Bradley pointed out, does not tell us what Christ is as all these offerings so much as it tells us how to offer Christ to God. And this portrayal here in Leviticus chapter 1 of the burnt offering in three different sizes has a spiritual significance that we can offer to God only the Christ that we have experienced. And we can offer Christ to God only to the extent or the size, let's say, of what we have experienced of him. So this poor Israelite who could afford only a pigeon or a turtle dove, this signifies a believer who experiences and enjoys Christ only to a small degree. So when he comes to offer Christ to God, then he has a small offering, like a pigeon. And then there are the more advanced Christians who have grown a little bit more in the Lord, and they enjoy Christ to a higher degree. So their offering is like a goat or a sheep, a larger size. And then, as Brother Lee mentioned, there's the Apostle Paul, who we know from his writings in the New Testament, he enjoyed Christ to a great degree. Mm -hmm. And if Paul were to offer Christ to God as a burnt offering, surely his offering would be the size of a bullock because his experience of Christ was so mature and extensive. So this picture shows us that we should always desire 
to enjoy and experience Christ to a greater and greater degree so that we can offer a bigger Christ, so to speak, to God, so that we could enjoy Christ more and more with God in fellowship with him. I think any of our listeners that were with us in our life study of Philippians on these four chapters saw page after page of bullocks and cows and major, major offerings because Paul's experience there was so incredible. Uh, And as you just depicted, that's really the significance spiritually of these different size offerings. But yet they are all sweet and satisfying to God. So whatever portion we've enjoyed really should become our offering to him. That's right, Chris. That's very important to realize that whatever we have of Christ, even if it's a pigeon, God will accept and God will enjoy together with us. Bob, in this coming section, we want to uh, go a bit further now. The children of Israel, of course, as God's people, primarily were farmers working on the good land. Now, this is after they have come into the land of Israel. And this land we know is a picture of Christ. Some of them labored well, I say more diligently on their plots than others. And so, of course, they had a greater crop produced off the land. Some maybe slept a little later and took more time off. And, of course, their uh, fields were not nearly so productive. Paul refers to this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. He says, I labored more abundantly than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God which is with me. Of course, the labor comes out of the grace But anyway, there's an element of labor in the Christian life. Let's join Witness Lee for this picture of the Israelites laboring in the good land. Say, I was an Israelite, and uh, I inherited quite a big land of the good land. But I was a loose, lazy person. Uh, I don't care for ground the land, till the land, I don't care for sowing the seed. I don't care for water the land. I don't care for anything. I always praising God. Hallelujah. <laughs> I am enjoying God's riches. God is good to me. He's merciful. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. From beginning of the year to the end of the year, always praising, praising. But my piece of land <laughs> became what? Wisdom full of weeds. Then I go to harvest. What kind of harvest could I get? A bunch of weeds. Then the festival time come. I have to go to God. Empty-handed. This is an illustration of some of the saints. Many of the saints today are like this. Loose, lazy, doing nothing, laboring, nothing, in Christ, on Christ, with Christ. But Paul, when Paul comes, he's different. He uses the strong word, I strive, I struggle, I strive. Not only I work, not only I toil, I labor, and even to fight. No doubt he praised the Lord a lot, yet he told us he labored more than all the apostles. Yet, he says, it was not he, but the grace of God. Surely, by ourselves, we can do nothing. And we are nothing. But we depend upon the rain from the heavens. So first of all, we have to labor that we may have something to bring. So I say again, whatever is taught in these chapters, don't teach us a doctrine 
No, rather to teach us how to offer Christ. How to? You have to labor on Christ. You have to work on Christ. This means you till the ground, you sow the seed, you water the seed, uh, you take care of the seed, and so forth. Then, surely, a diligent farmer is always reaching something richly. As farmers, you have to labor. We all know, among all kinds of people, the most industrious, busy, diligent people are the farmers. You need the labor. Paul says, clearly, labor. Then, surely, you will have something to bring to God as a present. That is the burnt offering. Bob, he touched a word here at the end, uh, picked up something you said early on, that the offerings are really our gift to bring and give to God. I think this is a new thought altogether for many, many people. We appreciate Christ as something God has given to us. But now the tables are turned, aren't they? God wants us to give back what we've experienced. Relate this picture of these Israelites, those who were maybe not so diligent and let their land go to weed as something that can be applicable for us in our own life. Yes, Chris. Of course, as you mentioned, Christ in the Old Testament is symbolized by the good land, the land of Canaan. Mm-hmm. And every Israelite had a piece of that land. Right. In order for him to bring something to offer to God, he had to sow the seed, he had to water the seed, he had to diligently labor to produce a crop, whether it's uh, some grains or some animals he was raising. At any rate, there's labor involved here to produce something of a harvest. And if he didn't labor, he would, of course, reap no harvest. And then when it came time for him to come to Jerusalem and bring his offering to God, to enjoy together with God and with God's people, he would be empty-handed. He would have nothing. And this is a picture of us in our Christian life. If we are lazy Christians, we never call on the name of the Lord, exercise our spirit, contact the Lord in our spirit. We never read the Word of God to enjoy Christ in the Word, and we never experience Christ in our daily life. Suppose we just don't care for these things. Then when the time comes for us to offer something to God, we'll find out we don't have anything to offer. It's because we were not diligent. We were lazy as believers, and we did not labor on Christ as our good land to grow something of Christ in our experience, in our inward being so that we would have Christ, something of Christ to offer to God as a present and to enjoy with him. Well, Bob, in this last section, we want to look a little bit at the burnt offering and how it was prepared. If we go on further in this chapter, we find out that this offering was skinned, it was stripped, it was cut into pieces and eventually burned completely for God's satisfaction. Uh, we have several programs ahead where we're going to get into all these details, but at least we want to have a little foretaste of what's coming in this final section today. Here's Witness Lee once again. Okay, here is a goat offered by the offerer as burnt offering to God after the slaughtering, skinning, after the cutting, the washing, and so forth. Every beat of the burnt offering was put on fire and that was burnt. 
then through this kind of a burning slowly, a kind of a fragrance, a kind of fever came out, very sweet. Yet in Hebrew, it uh, does not imply the thought of being sweet, but implies the thought of being satisfying. A kind of sweetness that can satisfy you, satisfy you with rest, with peace. And this will be just a kind of enjoyment to God. When we offer such, you will be burned in smoke to God, and this produces a kind of fragrance ascending to God, to satisfy God, to make God to rest and to have peace. Then we could enjoy such a sweet acceptance God would render to us. This is the real significance of the burnt offering. But I like to add one more thing. Burnt offering it denotes Christ being absolute for God's satisfaction. And this is the way to satisfy with peace, with rest, with sweetness. And we should live such a life. We must take Christ as our burden offering. And we have to lay our hand on him to indicate that we like to be one with him, taking him as our burden offering, and we like to live a life as what he lived. In other words, we like to live the life which he lived on this earth. A lot of uh, processes that we have to go through that we may have something really that we can offer to God as our burnt offering, the very Christ whom we experience, or that part which we have experienced to God. Well, Bob, as we have heard the result of the burnt offering in the Old Testament, ultimately was to satisfy God. It was for God's satisfaction. Our job is to lay our hands on this one who is absolute for God. Pick up this phrase and uh, apply it to our situation. Of course, this can't be literal. This must be kind of figurative, Bob, so help us. Yes, in the picture in Leviticus, Chris, the offerer, he laid his hands on the head of the offering. Right. And that means he identified himself with the offering. Actually, the only one who can be a real satisfaction to God is Christ himself. We in ourselves cannot satisfy God. Only Christ lived a life that was absolutely for God's satisfaction. If you just consider all the details of Christ's life in the four Gospels, the Lord always put himself and his own interests aside. He never satisfied himself, but everything he did, including uh, being persecuted by the religionists of his day and ultimately being crucified on the cross, were absolutely to satisfy the Father, to be something that was so sweet and restful and peaceful 
to give God rest, peace, and satisfaction. This is Christ, mm. but this is not us. Right. We are the opposite. Right. In fact, we are very much centered on ourselves. So what can we do? We have to lay our hands on Christ. We have to identify ourselves with him and say, Lord, you're the unique one who is absolute for God's satisfaction. Today, I want to experience you as the burnt offering and live the same kind of life that you lived when you were living on this earth. You are living in me. Christ is living in us. He is the burnt offering, and he's living in us to be our life in every situation. Rob, thank you very much. I enjoyed our fellowship a lot. We'll leave you with our toll-free number and invite you to contact us about the printed material that we have to go along with these broadcasts. It's 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Our mailing address, Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. For Bob Danker today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening.